what makes me. This is what I am. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Dehavia Stewart, and welcome to episode number two. Before we get into this episode, I would like to thank everyone that took time out of their day to listen to the first episode and everyone who liked, shared, DM, commented. I appreciate you and all of the feedback. Also, congratulations to all of the students that will be graduating within the next few weeks. Um, I wish you the best of luck to everything after college. But back to the main topic, episode number two is an interview with Christopher Thomas Moore, who is a graduate of North Carolina A&T hashtag HBCU Pride. And in this episode, we discuss his journey to becoming a marketing professional. So let's hop right in. Um, so I would like to start learning a little bit more about your background and your upbringing. So can you tell us about a pivotal moment in your upbringing that helps define who you are today? Yeah, I'd say that um, actually that would be probably my um, family's move from Colorado to North Carolina. So. Um, before middle school, my um, my mom took a job in North Carolina, and um, we, you know, had to as a family uh, make this transition uh, from comfort of home and family to a place that we knew nothing about and knew no one there. And so, seeing that that transition um, from my parents, my mom and my dad, and um, experiencing that and being in a situation where you know no one, um, you have to kind of put yourself out there, uh, meet new people, um, kind of uh, develop your own comfort in that new space, I think was probably the most pivotal um, kind of moment in my life that really kind of set me up for my future because it let me know not to be comfortable and it's okay to be uncomfortable. Um, transitions happen as part of life and you have to work through them and figure it out. But um, really good things can come to those. I felt like that move was the best thing that my family could have done. Um, got us out of a situation in an environment um, that wasn't favorable and moved us to, you know, I was living in the suburbs. I was like, what is this? You know, and it was a new experience and um, had to figure out life. and that is just part of life, that transitions happen and um, those that succeed are those that can adapt and um, be moldable in whatever environment that they're in. So the moment really taught you how to be transparent? Well, it taught me how to um, to be flexible and, and to, to grow in new environments and be comfortable in those new environments. It taught me that, um, that it's okay to step outside of everything that you've known and everything that you're comfortable with um, and that you can still be super successful and you can still have you know a better outcome um, even when you're outside of those things that are really comfortable for you okay and when i found your linkedin profile the first thing that i noticed was that you were an hbcu graduate from north carolina a&t hashtag aggie pride yeah hashtag go aggies <laughs> um, so <laughs> So what made you decide to attend North Carolina A&T? So North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University uh, was actually, it wasn't my first choice. You know, I, I initially um, was interested in, in um, pursuing uh, um, 
good. Well, I'd say HBCUs definitely were my my preference and my initial choice. But I've looked at a number of schools from Hampton, Howard, all over the place. Um, and Auntie what is not my first option initially. But um, but it became my my only option when um, finances became at play and trying to figure out how I was going to afford um, going to college. You know, um, I didn't have all the scholarships. I didn't have um, the financial backing um, from you know my family to be able to afford it. I wasn't able to secure loans, and so um, figuring out how I was going to continue my education was a big challenge. And Thankfully, by being a resident in the state of North Carolina, the costs I attend North Carolina A&T was something that, um, though still uh, a big challenge to me, was something that was definitely more approachable. But I do feel like things happen for a reason. You know, I really feel like um, you are aligned in spaces and, and opportunities that are desired to be there for you. And... Um, North Carolina A&T was the best thing that could have happened to my life. Um, I grew so much uh, as a student in North Carolina A&T, um, built a network of friends um, that still to this day I'm extremely close with. Um, North Carolina A&T challenged me to um, find who I was and what my place was in the world. And it also um, showed me that um, regardless of where I go, that there's a community of people there that will embrace me and, and love me. And I'm coming from an environment where in my high school, um, there were very few people of any kind of ethnic background uh, to going to a um, predominantly black college uh, was a transition for me, but it was one that I'm so thankful for. It gave me perspective, it gave me um, self-identity and, and elements that I just feel like had I gone to a different institution, um, I would not have been exposed to some of the amazing things that I was exposed to uh, at North Carolina A&T. Okay, so North Carolina A&T really helped you find yourself in a sense. It helped me define who I was. North Carolina A&T provided me the uh, ability for for me to define who Christopher Thomas Moore was and what my contribution to the society was going to be, um, both you know from an education standpoint, but also socially. You know, it was um, helping me. It definitely helped mold me into the individual that I was. It provided me the ability to feel comfortable about just being who I was. Um, you know, I didn't feel like I had to play the part or be somebody that I wasn't. Um, but yes, it also provided me a level of academic rigor that challenged me um, and forced me to, to acknowledge that I had to be better and brighter um, to, to succeed. And North Carolina A&T helped me do that. Do you ever go back for homecoming? You know I go back for homecoming now. <laughs> they don't call it Jiho, the greatest homecoming on earth for anything. Yeah. <laughs> homecoming is special. And uh, so I, I love going back for homecoming when I can. I can't every year just because of schedule and other obligations. But when I get the chance to go back, 
um, you know, it's always just amazing because um, you, you you build up like a second family going yeah. to an HBCU. And so you see those faces and even people that you ne- you weren't necessarily the tightest weight in college. Um, you, you, you have a background and you have an ex- a shared experience that when you see each other, you you embrace each other and, and you have a good time and you celebrate life and you celebrate each other. And so um, there are so many great friends and people that I've met being an Aggie. And um, I'm so thankful for that experience. So in your bio, you mentioned that you interned at a publishing agency one summer in a call center. And that really sparked your interest for marketing. Can you tell us exactly what about that position attracted you to the marketing field? Yeah, and actually, it, it wasn't an internship. I actually needed a job to pay my tuition and all my bills. So, um, so I actually um, found the job. It was a temp job at first, um, and uh, I was working um, basically evenings from like two to ten. And um, I had call center experience before that. I worked at a call center um, like right after high school. I took a break, a year break, because I needed to, to raise money so that I could afford going to school. And so I was able to transition all of those skills that I had learned over to this job. And so, um, again, kind of going back to the earlier statement of feeling like, um, you know, there there's definitely... Um, a kind of, I feel like there's a set plan for me um, in my life, and I, I've been blessed to be exposed to to people and opportunities that I don't take for granted. And and this was one because early after starting with the organization, I was probably there for like a year or six months, and um, the president of the division was like, "You really should be doing more. Like a call center is not where you need to be." And so he moved me to be a business analyst and helping work on projects around sourcing um, international products for the business. And so then I started to um, learn more about merchandising and then started to learn more about the brand itself and the business and and marketing. And then um, started to work on building out new businesses and worked on the launch of a program or a company that was called Quinceanera Elegante focus at the Quinceanera, the rite of passage of um, young 15-year-old Latina girls. And so we built out a whole product line, a catalog, a website. And then I continued to do that for the company for um, really the entire time that I was there. And so uh, at the time that I left that agency, I was uh, leading the entire kind of B2B side of the business of building out these uh, white labeled e-commerce experiences and product lines and brands on behalf of our clients and also managing elements of marketing for them as well as for the primary brand that we owned as a company. And so through just that first entry into a call center, um, I was getting exposed to how these businesses operate, you know, what kind of a multi-channel merchant was and and how we did business, but also um, felt really comfortable kind of expressing my point of view and thoughts, even though I had no degree when I started. Um, I just was comfortable being um, being open and, and transparent in what I was thinking. And I think that those open di- that open dialogue and conversation helped 
uh, provide exposure to the fact that I was, I had more capabilities than the challenges that were put in front of me and um, was able to uh, really stair step through the organization in a number of roles over the almost nine years that I was there at that agency. So what do you think made you stand out to your manager for him to know that working in a call center wasn't enough for your given skill set? Yeah, you know, I'm always, I've always been someone that has no problem like jumping in, right? And doing, um, identifying the job, doing my best to, to be the best at my job, and then also adding what I feel like I can to the business or to any environment where I feel like there are opportunities. And so I was with the company for just really a few months and I realized that when I was hired, there was no training process at all. Like it was just kind of you come in and you sit side by side, but there was no organized process for that. So I built that out and kind of built out an entire training program with all the elements that someone would need to get onboarded with the business. Um, and then I um, identified like a new revenue stream for the business and building out um, a level of consultants that provided a, a higher tier of offering. And so I built a pitch and pitched the idea and concept to um, my manager and then our division head and got the green light to proceed. And so, you know, built all of this up. And, and mind you, I was doing all of this while I was still a full-time student at North Carolina A&T um, during the day and then working at night. And so um, even though school was challenging and the workload and, and course load was, was, was tough, I still tried to bring something more than just coming in and doing my job day in, day out. Um, and I think it was those elements that uh, provided me the opportunity to have a, a different point of view from the leadership of the organization and, and eventually el be elevated throughout the organization. So during your time working for Pace Communications, right? Yep. Um, did you like gather a specific skill from your different roles that helps you today as a vice president at Domino's? Um, I, I would say that, you know, um, thinking creatively, you know, um, thinking through, I really started to have to think through like strategy. Like when I was working on building out the the pitch and the proposal for this new business unit, um, I really had to think about like how, how one would approach that and like what is a strategic play for the organization and why we would do it. Um, and um, I think that those elements as well as being nimble and flexible, um, you know, worked in a call center, worked in, you know, sourcing, uh, went back to the call center, then worked on business development, worked on training, I have a lot of different roles. And I realized that, you know, it's okay to sit in a lot of different spaces and a lot of different places. Um, as long as you have a core set of skills that are transferable, being nimble, being able to think, um, being strategic in your, your thought process, um, you know, having kind of a charismatic personality that um, that helps people feel comfortable around you. All of those elements um, kind of built up over time and I think were keys to what helped move me into where I am now.
Also, your bio mentions that prior to Domino's, you worked for Extended Stay America in a very similar role to the one that you're in now as VP of e-commerce and digital marketing. So what led you onto the path of working in e-commerce? Was it the role that you previously held at Pace Communications? Could you say it was. Okay. Yeah. So that role was a multi-channel merchant. So we had a website and we also did catalog. And so that was really my training ground for figuring out e-commerce uh, on a smaller scale where I could go through a lot of trial and error and really kind of figure out the space, figure out digital marketing. Um, and I was, again, exposed to a lot of different things, um, how to build out a brand, managing focus groups, um, how to source product and build out a website, um, the whole development cycle of a website. So Pace Communications really was that foundation that I was able to to leverage for uh, my move to Extended Stay America. And that move really pro provided me the opportunity um, to do similar things on a much larger scale um, with much larger influence than I had before. So you currently work for Domino's as VP of e-commerce and digital marketing. So what influence do large e-commerce companies such as Amazon have on your strategy as a VP, although they don't compete directly with Domino's? Yeah, I wouldn't say that um, that I look to those brands necessarily um, to necessarily follow suit or to replicate. But I do think that sites, big sites like Amazon and the Googles of the world, help set precedents for a consumer experience. They, um, because of their scale, um, help uh, define the expectation of an end user um, that's using a website. And so as a marketer, you have to be cognizant of what the expectations of your consumer are and understanding where there's that gap between expectation and reality and how your brand will address that gap and close that gap. And so um, other large e-commerce players are help, helping to kind of trailblaze uh, those experience paths. But thankfully, um, with my experience with Domino's, Domino's sits within that, that list of individuals. Yeah. Domino's has a strong history of being a tech forward brand. And it's probably the most technologically advanced QSR brand um, in the country. And um, from building out a very strong e-commerce platform um, to building out um, new innovations like Anywhere, where you can order a pizza through Twitter, through your um, smartwatch, through Alexa and all these other skills that are, have been developed to uh, being able to order a pizza regardless of where you are, even if you're not at a physical lake location, uh, or a, a building leveraging our hotspots feature. All of these innovations um, highlight Domino's skill set from a technology standpoint and willingness to be a thought leader. Um, the brand really has pushed the rest of the category and thinking smarter, um, thinking harder, and um, developing really strong skill sets from a technology standpoint. Wait, you can order a pizza through Twitter? 
you sure can. You can use the Twitter emoji. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> if you do a at Domino's with pizza emoji, um, if you have an easy order set up, you can trigger your easy order to be ordered through Twitter. A few weeks ago, Domino's was trending on multiple news outlets about its points for pies program, which is a pro- program that you were able to help implement at Domino's. So what is the overall purpose of the program? And is it to learn more about like what types of pizzas consumers like or to gather information on like Domino's top competitors in the space? Yeah, I mean, at the heart of it, and, and this is another reason why um, I really um, have enjoyed my time with the brand and this experience, because at the purest sense of the idea that was initially developed, it really was around the celebration of pizza. Yeah. The fact that Domino's loves pizza, that we love anyone else that loves pizza as much as that as much as we do. And irregardless if you're ordering that pizza from Domino's, we want to celebrate the love of pizza. Wow. And so it's a really bold statement to make as a brand that you are accepting of your consumers use of competing products and um the brand um felt strongly that um that it's the right thing to do we have a lot of divisive tensions (laughs) going on in our society currently and for the opportunity to um, unify under one love for pizza uh, was really the ultimate goal. And to see by doing that, um, what would happen. And so the overall premise behind the program is that you can um, eat any pizza that you want to, right? And leverage the Domino's app to scan that pizza. And if you scan that pizza, and it's identified in what we call our identifier, which is leveraging AI and machine learning technologies to at real time identify if the element within the image is actually a pizza or not. And if that is a, if that scan is successfully done, then we are awarding those individuals that go through that process uh, 10 of our piece of the pie rewards points. And once that individual gets to 60 points or six successful scans um, over the course of um, the, the campaign, they then can apply those 60 points towards the purchase of a free pizza. And so um, through the process, you know, there, we are um, learning great information and all of that from our users. We're having great interactions and, and, and things like that that are happening. But um, what is the best part about it all is that we have, um, are playing a part of a lot of pizza occasions that we otherwise wouldn't, right? To find that Domino's now um, can be a part of whatever pizza you're eating, regardless if you get it from us, um, is an amazing feat. And so it's been really exciting just to see all the conversation and the excitement around the program. Um, and that people were as excited about it and the love of pizza as we were. Wow, that's really cool. Is there any reason why 
artificial intelligence was the chosen technology to develop the um, application? Yeah, we needed to find a way um, that provide provided an immersive um, experiential element that um, would help us in identifying people that were um, actually consuming pizza. And, you know, the option of, you know, send us a picture of your pizza or post it to Twitter. Like those are programs that are very impossible to manage. So we had to think through how could we do this in a systematic um, way uh, where we could uh, build something that's helping to identify in real time if there was pizza um, in that was being scanned by their camera. And so, you know, we looked to machine learning and artificial intelligence to help fill that gap. Leveraging your camera to scan all the pixels in the camera to identify confidence level, the elements that sit in, well, first to identify those items and then provide a confidence level against those items um, to help identify if those things were really pizza um, was the only way that this program was going to be successful. And to get there, um, it wasn't easy because we had to help train the system. Like, pizza comes in so many ways, right? What is a pizza? How do you define a pizza? Um, and so we had to help train the tool in how to um, identify pizza. What was a pizza? Is a pizza calzone? Is a pizza this? And so we added different images and other training um, to help it refine and narrow its view of what pizza was. And then went through a ton of testing um, to, to figure out what that good blend was. Um, it was funny because we actually had overtrained it. It's so much content that it started to think of things that weren't really pizza that were in the background of other elements that were pizza. Um, started to get confused about that. So we had to like down train it <laughs> and pull some stuff out. But um, we got it to a point where it really was able to identify all the vast varieties of pizza, the square pizzas, pizzas with arugula on top and heavy vegetables, uh, pizzas that were um, just different um, than what people think of as the typical round pizza. And so that tool and leveraging that tool was literally the only way that this program was gonna be successful. So all of these innovations really help show why Domino's is the number one pizza brand in the world. I actually didn't know that until I read your bio. And yeah. then I went to do research and I saw that Domino's is like, it generates almost the same amount of revenue as Yum Brands, which owns Pizza Hut, KFC, and Taco Bell. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, Domino's is a big international brand um, in um, nearly 90 countries throughout the world. Um, Domino's is a major leader in the food space and definitely the leader um, when it comes to pizza. And what's really gotten the brand there is um, first um, a reality check that the brand went through in 2010. And so um, 2010, 2009, uh, the brand um, had a campaign that we, we internally call our turnaround which is where we uh, identify the fact that our pizza sucked <laughs> and yeah. people didn't like it. 
right? Um, and we acquired all of this feedback from people that just said, I don't order Domino's because I don't like your product. And so the brand started to work on the improvement of the product to um, get it to a much better place, right? And so that was the first start in transparency and honesty and saying that, you know, we can, we can, we can be honest and transparent about who we are and where we're at um, as long as we work to improve. And so this culture of iterative improvements and growth I started to spin into our technology. And so we slowly started to build, which then became rapidly building, a technology base that was built on the idea of um, a lot of A-B iterative testing and learning and development uh, based off of real people's interactions. And so now our program um, is, is advanced and it is um, driving the business in, in ways that are kind of unthinkable um, from the outside looking in. But it all happens because of the fact of this willingness to improve and constantly um, change and grow you know, fail fast, learn from it, and keep moving. Um, and that's really the backbone of the business. Okay. Specifically okay. on the technology side. Okay, all right, thank you. Um, so I have one last question. What advice would you give a current college student that is interested in pursuing a career in marketing? Is there, and also is there any type of skill set that they should try to develop while in college? Yeah, I think that, you know, the, the desire to work in marketing and um, the statement of I want to work in marketing is such a broad statement, right? Marketing is a very complex field with a lot of different levels, right? You have traditional advertising, you have digital, you have communications, you have all these elements that really sit within um, a marketing organization. And um, I think doing the due diligence to understand all those components identify like where you really want to pursue um, and, and put your energies in, um, I think is really important. Helping, um, finding internship opportunities within a marketing organization so that your frame of reference and perspective can be expanded is definitely something that I think is really important. Um, but there are a lot of soft skills. Um, I think being nimble, and being able to um, learn new things and adapt to different environments um, is extremely important. Having an understanding of the digital landscape, how it works from a media standpoint, from an e-commerce and website standpoint, um, it's really important now, right? It, everything that we do um, has digital overlays. Even when we're talking about TV and radio, there are digital components that, that are part of those campaigns many times. and so. You have to understand the digital landscape and how it works, um, but it doesn't mean that you necessarily have to take get a whole degree in it. There are a lot of things that you can learn um, from just reading and getting those experiences through internships and, and other opportunities that might come in front of you. Um, and I'd say also that you know, as a marketer, the most important part about being in marketing is just understanding your consumer, understanding people, how people think, um, being able to take yourself out of the equation and um, look from a, a different angle in at the experiences um, that people have um, 
because that's what marketers are doing and, and trying to address. We're, we're building experiences, we're building brand um, with that have an impact on people's lives. And so the question that you have to ask is like what that impact is gonna be and, and, and how you're gonna impact these individuals' lives. And so um, finding um, courses and finding opportunities that expose you to learning more about the thought process of individuals and what makes them tick um, and challenging yourself to think not like yourself, but to think like someone else is really critical <laughs> to any marketing role that you possess. Do you think to work in marketing, you have to be creative? I think that to work in marketing, um, I think that you have to be, I think there is some level of creativity that's required um, because you have to think of outside of the bounds of what's in front of you. You know, there are, are technology roles that are very black and white. You're inputting one, two, three to get four, five, six. Um, marketing doesn't necessarily work that way. You know, it might be one, two, three to get ABC. And so being able to think outside of your space and your reality, um, I think requires some level of creativity to think of campaigns that are developing um, enriched experiences requires some level of creativity. Um, but creativity is not, you know, being able to draw on those things. It's, it's being able to, to think differently um, and to, um, it's very cliche, but the, the out of the box thinking really is about uh, taking yourself out of the equation, taking all the current factors and tensions out of the equation and thinking more broadly about what could be um, outside of the scope of what your current situation is. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's all the questions that I have. And again, I'm very grateful to have you on my podcast and also to meet you virtually. <laughs> likewise, likewise.